We're going through a series together on Empowered by Faith. This is number four. We gave you all, if you were here over the weeks, booklets this like this. Uh, so if you've got yours with you, you could be ready to make some notes in it. Um, we're going to do number four today. And in the booklet for today, it says, amongst other things, the following. How to hold on to faith when God's promises or your hopes are not yet fulfilled. In other words, it's something about how do we live with uh, disappointment or delay or our hopes being dashed? How do we maintain faith when the pressure's on? That kind of um, subject matter. And I've entitled this, Where Are You Living? And you'll see why shortly. You can see where uh, Andrew and I live. Uh, That's our house on Thorley. And uh, so in one sense, that's where we live. And in one sense, if I ask you, where are you living, you might have an address in mind. But the question I'm asking you this morning is not where are you living in the physical sense, the residential sense, but rather, where are you living in your spiritual life? Are you living in faith land, a land of faith, we're looking to be empowered by faith in this series, or... Sometimes do you slip into other kinds of places to live in which could be to do with doubt or fear or unbelief and and stuff like that? And how do we maintain a life of genuine faith that is real and convinced and not just trying to convince ourselves that we believe something, but it actually is real? How do we grow in genuine faith? So that's what we're going to look at. And there are two main aspects to this, it seems to me. There's one aspect, and both of them will kind of get covered as we go through. One aspect is the kind of, in a sense, obvious area of simply having faith in God, trusting in God, which comes out, of course, of knowing him, uh, wanting to worship him regardless um, of circumstances, of being absolutely rock solid in our conviction that God is who the scriptures say he is, that he is always worthy of worship and praise and adoration. And uh, whatever happens, your faith in God is never, and his goodness towards you and his salvation, and all of those kind of foundational things is never, ever going to be rocked. That's a faith in God. There's another aspect to this of faith, which is what you might call faith for a specific. I didn't know how else to express it. In other words, faith in response to particular things that God says... Um, or you think he's saying, because uh, obviously it's important we distinguish, is he really saying it or am I imagining it? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But this whole area of genuinely believing, having conviction of faith in our spirit when God has said something that is prophetic. However he chooses to say that, and of course there are loads and loads of different ways in which he can speak to us. So those are the two kind of areas effectively we're kind of tackling. Example of faith for the specific. I need to give you some examples uh, from my life, own life, because to illustrate it, what I'm talking about. And there may be things I've mentioned before, but that doesn't matter because they're incredibly relevant to the passage that we're looking at today. And uh, there was a time. This is a long time ago now. This one, but where I was reading the scriptures, uh, and suddenly God said to me out of a, ver- a little line that says, "Leave this place and go east." I thought, "What?" And in my spirit, I knew. That was a specific instruction from God. It wasn't just what God said to Elijah, which it was, but it had become a prophetic word into my life. I shared it with Angela, and uh, we lived elsewhere at the time, as you might have guessed. And um, 
But sometime later, she got a vision from God. Um, I can't remember quite how it happened, but what she saw was a particular primrose yellow colored front door of a house. That's all she saw. Uh, cut a long story short, two years went by with nothing happening. I thought, God, you spoke really specifically. We know you did, but nothing's happening. And you will have experienced things like that where you think, I know, I know God spoke, but nothing's happening. How do you handle those seasons of life? We're going to look at a guy called Abraham in a minute. Let's read from Hebrews chapter 11, if you have a Bible with you. We're going to read verses 8 to 16. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city whose, with foundations, not like a tent in other words, whose architect and builder is God. By faith Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This word of God, the, the scriptures, are the starting place, the foundation, the root, if you like, of the preaching and teaching ministry of the church, of the Word of God. This is where we're coming from. And we've read from Hebrews chapter 11 about this guy, Abraham. And if you read the whole of Genesis or the relevant parts to him, you'll see how his relationship with God developed over a period of time. He was called to go. We read that in verse 9 of Hebrews 11. He became a father two verses later, which sounds like it was real quick. But actually, if you read the whole story in Genesis, it was 25 years. I talked about a two-year delay between God speaking to Andrew and me and us, re and us actually relocating and coming to the east of England to Bishop Stortford. For Abraham, it was a 25-year wait. And Scripture records how he was able to exercise and maintain faith and believe God in ridiculous circumstances in terms of the odds against. It had to be total miracle. Can you imagine the years going by, um, having had the promise he's going to have children and offspring as many as the stars in the sky, and, and then he's getting older and older, and it's not happening, it's not happening, and then his wife stops having periods, she gets beyond the age where she could have children, he's getting really old as well, I don't know quite how capable he was by this stage, he's 90-something, 98 or 99, and, um, and yet the Bible records how by faith they had a child. 
he had an amazing relationship with God. God appeared to him in visions. He appeared to him uh, in a number of ways. He prayed to God and discussed with him the condition and the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. You may know that story. Where there's this discussion going on between Abraham and God, and almost like a negotiation. What does that tell us? It tells us something about the depth of relationship that Abraham had grown with God. Now that's really important. We're going to come back to that in a moment. By faith, verse 8, Abraham, when called to go. Now, I just want to stop there for a second. The Bible records that as a fact, that he was called to go. It's evidently true that it was something that God said. And my first point about living faith today, to be really practical, is be sure of what God has said. Because we can confuse sometimes what we hope our wishes with what actually God said. I remember a friend of ours came to visit us years ago and, and said he's, he was desperately trying to hear the voice of God as to whether to marry this woman or not. But he realised because his emotions were all over the place, he was in the worst possible position to actually hear God well and to know whether he heard him right or not. And do you know what? That is true. So we obviously need to be careful in those kind of situations. But actually, do you know, God is able, he knows your situation, he knows your heart, he knows your circumstances and where you're at. And he is more than able, is he not, to get through to you in those circumstances, whatever those are. And so don't discount yourself from hearing God, even when you're in turmoil. But let's say, God, you're big enough, you're capable enough of getting through to me somehow, Please, and to be expecting that he is wanting to communicate with his children because that's part of his father's heart towards us. How can we be sure what God said? Well, obviously, we want to be sure of what he says in Scripture. There's, there's tons and tons of truth within the word of God. That's our starting point. And so we want to understand that correctly in context, not taking verses out of context to use as a pretext, as they say, um, that what we're understanding of a verse of scripture is consistent with the rest of the Bible, that we're not in danger of misunderstanding and misapplying from that perspective, not just taking one verse in isolation. And so you get the famous example, you may well have heard it, of the, the person who was desperately needing guidance from God. So he gets his Bible out, says, God, please guide me, opens the Bible, sticks his finger in, and it says, Judas went out and hung himself. He thought, that's not a very good start. Let's try again. Opens his Bible, puts his finger on the page, and it says, go and do likewise. <laughs> not a good way of trying to get guidance from God. And yet, you see, God does speak to us prophetically using the scripture at times in a different way than it was originally written. So I'm telling you about a time when God suddenly spoke to me. I'm reading about Elijah, and God says, leave this place and go east. Now, that wasn't written as God's word to me, but it became God's word to me in a specific way at that time. God is able to do that. So we just need to be thorough and do all the necessaries, which I'll mention in a minute, to make sure, we, Lord, we want to hear you right. And I pray that out of today, there'll be a prompting and actually an impartation there's going to be for us to be, for you as an individual, to hear God that much more effectively and to be, be that much more sure of what he's saying to you over time. 
We test what we believe God's saying prophetically with Scripture. We look to see, is it consistent with the whole of the teaching of the Bible? Um, we test it with mature Christians. Uh, that's always the right thing to do. You know, to Talk to what, more than one other person who knows God and say, this is what it feels like God's saying. What do you think? I do that at times. Um, and you know what? We test in our spirit. In the end, there is a discernment, a, 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 a witness in your spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives within you, when God is speaking. And we can expect and ask that that be the case. That as somebody once said, you know in your knower. And there's no easier way of explaining this, but I hope that you will have had this yourself, where at times when you just know that God's spoken. And the one I've described for me was one of those, I just knew God has spoken. There have been a number of those over the years. And I expect you've got your own stories. If you haven't, let's be asking God. God, you want us to hear from you. This is, life is, the Christian life is not, from God's perspective, supposed to be some kind of difficult puzzle that he makes as tricky as possible. No, he actually wants to reveal himself. That's why he's given us his word. That's why Jesus came, to reveal the Father. He is a revealing God. There is revelation that comes from him. He likes to communicate with his children, and he wants to help us with that. So test it with other people. Test it also over time. Just you know, over time, we can test things. Uh, look for confirmation. Test it with confirmations. Um, is it a one-off word, or is it something that gets confirmed in other ways at other times, perhaps through other people. It's really important, is it, that we don't confuse our hopes with God's promises. Because if we do, we get disappointed. And sometimes that's what happens. People get really disappointed with God, point the finger at him for blaming him for not doing what they think he said. And poor God could be up there sometimes thinking, I never said that. <laughs> We had an example, very sadly, of some friends of ours who were given a prophetic word. They were desperate for kids, this couple. And they're not here. They were given a prophetic word. In 12 months' time, you will have twins. 12 months came and went, as did 24 months and 36 months. And in fact, the rest of their lives, it wrecked them. Somebody wanting to be encouraging brings a prophetic word that was devastating. Because actually, it was out of the imagination. Interestingly, at the time that it was given, a number of us who were there at the time just thought, hmm, there was not a witness in the gathering that this was God speaking. And Scripture says, let the others weigh when prophecy is given. Let the others weigh. Really important. There are some more about prophecy uh, because we want to go for the prophetic. We want to bless one another with prophetic gifts. We want to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And prophecy is one of them. We also want to do it really, really well. A year ago, Stephen Sarah Kane did a session for us a whole Sunday morning um, on it. And at that time, these pink handouts were given. If you haven't had one because you either missed it then or you've arrived since and therefore you haven't, uh, they're here for you today. The stewards have got them. John's waving you at the door and there are some in the rack if you miss the stewards. So do take one of those. There's lots of really, really good stuff in there which will help you in considering some of these kind of things. Verse 8. 
So the first thing was, be sure what God has said. Make sure you do the checks and listen to God carefully and all the rest of it. Second, act on it. It says, he obeyed and went, verse 8, Abraham. He obeyed and went. Um, Do what you can. Take available steps of faith in response to what God is saying. So in my example, I gave Leave This Place and Go East. What the, the response for me was to start looking for jobs in the easterly direction only and to ignore anything from anywhere else. So that cut the options down, of course, massively. But uh, God did it. Now, do what you can. Now, think about Abraham for a minute. Abraham's been told by God, you're going to be the father of many nations. He God actually followed it up with, a son coming from your body will be your heir. So he got further confirmation. And then, an, then a, another time, about this time next year, this is 24 years later from the first time, uh, your wife will have a son. So he's got all this encouragement to believe God for an extraordinary miracle in their 90s. Now, what do you think Abraham and Sarah could do about this? Well, one thing they could do was to have sex. And clearly they did. And that, the Bible makes it clear, was an act that involved faith for them. Because they were believing that God was going to do something. But they did what they could as well, even in their 90s. And who knows how much supernatural enabling was involved with that. you pray for somebody for healing encourage them to if they can to just to, to do something to see to experiment like Jesus said stretch out your hand to the man whose hand was with it that's the one thing he couldn't do take steps of faith do what you can act on it you know God honors steps of faith he really does some friends of ours were um, knowing that Scripture teaches about giving to God and tithing and so on, but yet struggling financially with that idea and and with fear, really. Uh, They'd always only ever had red bank statements their whole married life. And uh, then they thought, no, okay, I encourage them to take a step of faith, to to do something um, according to their faith. And so they decided to start giving £100 a month. So they wrote out a cheque for £100 for their first time, I found out later, um, and then excitedly wanted to see us a few weeks later. Guess what, guess what? We've given to God for the first time, and we've got a next bank statement, and it's in the black for the first time ever. Now, I genuinely believe that God was at work in that, honouring their step of faith to say, look, actually, if you'll do what, do what my word tells you, I'm, I'll back you up. I'm with you in this. Whatever the arena is, whether it be prayer for healing or faith for moving or, or, or giving or whatever the, whatever the area of faith is that is the stretch and the challenge, take Act on what you can. Do what you can towards uh, what God has been saying to you. By faith, verse 9, he made his home in the promised land. This was hundreds of miles away from where he was originally. It took months and months to travel there. So this is a big decision. This is not just we go around the corner. This is, this is a major life change. But, you know, Abraham chose to go and live In the land of God's promises. And that's my encouragement to you. Where are you living? Are you living in, have you placed yourself in 
the land of the promises of God, the promises of God as revealed in the scriptures primarily, but also the promises of God, the things that are tested and, and so forth, that you know that he has said to you. Are you, gonna, are you standing on living in those, in that land, or it's so easy for us to kind of begin to give, give way, so to speak, to unbelief and to find ourselves shifting across to uh, fear land or doubt land or discouragement land or, do you know what I mean? There are all these things that kind of push us away from faith land. I wonder where you live at the moment. Are you kind of <laughs> one foot either side? Are you saying, God, please help me? Because you're a believer in Jesus, most of you. And as a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside you. And the Holy Spirit inside you wants to really help you and actually motivates you inwardly to want to live a life of genuine faith. You don't want to doubt God. You, I, you don't want to doubt his word. You don't want to doubt what you know really he has been saying to you. And yet somehow it can sometimes be difficult. But he wants to help you. And I absolutely believe you want to be helped as well. We're going to pray in a few minutes and ask God to do his bit in this. So be sure of what God's saying. Act on it. Do what you can. And then choose where you live. Will you make a choice this morning and say to God, okay, I'm going to live in faith land from now on. I'm going to reject the land of other things. I'm going to live in faith land. You see, Abraham could easily have lived in doubt land. Did God really say? In discouragement land. He gets to the land of promise. What does he discover? It's occupied. That might not, he might not have bargained for that. Oh, didn't think it was going to be as difficult as that. You mean there's already people living there? And yet you're saying you're giving it to me, but they think it's theirs. So what's this about? It's not always straightforward to enter into the promises of God. I'm sure you've discovered that for yourselves. He could easily have entered fear land. In fact, to an extent he did, in as much as when one of the rulers of the land uh, took a fancy to his wife, Sarah, um, he, Abraham allowed her, in fact, he kind of almost set it up for her to be taken uh, so that he would be, save his own skin. And um, he was in fear at this point. He, 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 was, you know, he, was, he was getting over this way. Um, but he came back again uh, by God's action. We can easily find ourselves living somewhat in unbelief land or, or sort of straddling the two. Um, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the fact that there were people who, and the phrase that he uses, refused to believe. And so there's a responsibility on us as human humans in our response to God and to his word. There's a responsibility. It's not just all about what God does. It is also about what you and I do in terms of our heart response. We want to say, Jesus, help us to have soft hearts, not hard hearts. We don't want to be those who effectively kind of dig our heels in and refuse to believe. Say, no, I'm not going there, not going there, no. No, we repent of that. Say, we're not going to go, not going to be like that. We're going to be soft-hearted. We're going to be open to the word of God. And we're going to 
say, God, will you help us to genuinely live a life of faith that is absolutely trusting in you? Abraham considered him faithful who had made the promise we read. We want to be people, don't we, who consider, that's a thought out word, consider him faithful who's made the promise. And that is our decision. I trust. We say, yeah, God, you are faithful. I consider you faithful. Therefore, I will be Choose to believe everything that you say in your word. Help me to understand it well, because that's not always easy, always easy either. And we can help each other with that. Help me to understand and to hear well when you speak to me in other ways, prophetically and so on, that I can put my life on it and say, yeah, Jesus, I know that you're speaking and I trust you. How do we grow in faith? Number one, just very quickly, know him more. You know, the more you know someone, the more you know Jesus, the more you trust him because he's trustworthy. The more you get to know him, the more you'll trust him. The more you trust him, the more you believe him. If you don't trust somebody, you don't believe what they say. But as you trust him, you, you believe what he says. You know it's true. So spend time with him. Make sure that you're nurturing your relationship with him. Jesus said in John 15, didn't he? Abide in me, remain in me. Remain in my love and you'll be fruitful. That's what he wants us to do. Let's make sure that we're doing that right through the day each day, not just like a few minutes kind of here and there at the beginning of the day or something like that. Let's make sure we're people who nurture and walk with him very intentionally and consciously more and more. Know him more. Jesus did what he saw the Father doing and that's how come he was so fruitful. He tuned into the Father beautifully and invites us to be pursuing the same journey secondly in terms of how do we grow in faith to be really practical knowing more second remember what he has said and done remember what he said and done that's i don't know whether you keep a journal this is mine I encourage you to have somewhere down the things that you know god said things that he's spoken to you things he's brought alive to you from his word things that he's spoken to you prophetically ways things different ways in which god has spoken and have a record of it so you can go back to it that's a totally biblical thing to do go back to the things that god has said remember what he said and done listen to people who've known him for many years have somebody in the congregation who's been a christian more than 40 years around for a cup of tea and just say talk to me talk to me about your life journey i tell you what you will be edified you will be edified. Remember what he said and done. Thirdly, ask for more faith. So I've talked a lot about our responsibility on this journey. But do you know what? In scripture, faith is also a gift from God. Both saving faith, Ephesians chapter 2. If you're not a Christian yet this morning and you're listening to me, one of the things you can do is be asking God to give you the gift of faith in Jesus and what he's done and the way of salvation. Because the Bible says this, by grace you've been saved through faith and this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Even our ability to believe in salvation through Jesus, that very ability is given to us by God. 
We didn't summon this up from within ourselves somewhere when we were dead in our sin. Corpses are not very good at doing things like that. No, God spoke a word of life into your spiritual corpse. said, come alive, hear my voice, hear my word. Jesus came, he died, he rose again in order for you to receive the forgiveness that you desperately need. I'm calling you into relationship with me. I'm calling you to f- discover life to the full, which is the life that I promise. But you need to respond. You need to make your response of faith. Ask God for more faith around supernatural faith, we might call it. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts from God of prophecy, faith, healing, miracles. And tells us to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So let's be doing that. Let's be saying, God, I want to be biblical. I want to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. These actually are gifts, grace gifts from you. They're not deserved, but they're given from above. Now, faith is one of them. Will you increase my gifts of faith for the supernatural? Will you give me more grace in that area? Scripture talks about gift being imparted, and that's why we're going to pray in just a moment. Also talks about um, accepting the measure of grace that God has given to us in Romans chapter 12 particularly. There's a measure of grace, measures of faith, measures of gift that God gives. So on the one hand, we eagerly desire, which means go after more. On the other hand, we accept the grace measure that God gives to us. Both are true, and that's where we want to be. Ask for more faith. Fourthly, choose faith. We've probably talked enough about that. We're not going to be people, are we, who refuse to believe. We're going to be people who choose to believe because he is faithful. Verse 13, they saw the promises and welcomed them from a distance. This final little point is this, look ahead. Look ahead. May God give us an eternal perspective to be happy to be what they call aliens and strangers on earth, looking for a better country. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I will come back and take you to be with me. And if there's one thing that comforts and helps myself and my mum as she wastes away, really, is this sure and certain hope. There's a better place. And as we look ahead, that helps to fuel our life of faith now. And that probably gets more and more real as the years, as your years go by. That's the way it tends to work.